morning, everyone. May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you so much for listening in. I'm Jason DeMars, and I want to remind you that if you have any questions, prayer requests, or testimonies, please send them in to me at jasondemars.com. Make sure to subscribe and like on YouTube, and make, to, make sure to like, comment, and share on Facebook. If you're listening in, please send a greeting to me. I sure appreciate that. I want to send my greetings to those who've uh, already said hello. Brother Kenny and Sister Janelle, God bless you. Sister Sarah from Edmonton, God bless you as well. Uh, Sister Hope from Madawaska, God bless you. Brother Tony from Madawaska, God bless you. Thank you all for listening in. We sure appreciate you. And pray for me. We're going to continue on the subject uh, in defense of William Branham, part five. And we're going to, uh, this will be the last time that we look at it, but we're going to continue looking at the, I'm reading from the article written by Pastor Elijah Gibbs from Connecticut. And I'm reading through it and commenting on it. So I think it's wonderful. Um, very, very well written and, and a very scriptural approach. And I'm very thankful for it. All right, now we're looking at breaking down the prophet tests. Brother Elijah writes, One of the main reasons for a misapplication of the prophet test by the Believe the Sign group and others who are against Brother Branham is due to not reading Deuteronomy 18.22 correctly. Jesus often asked his contemporaries the question, Haven't you read this scripture or that scripture. He asked this question knowing they had read those verses, but wanted, wanted to wake them up to the fact that they hadn't read them accurately, nor understood them. In fact, when the rich young ruler came to the Lord and asked him about eternal life, Jesus responded with, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Luke 10.26. The importance of how we read Deuteronomy 18.22 cannot be over overemphasized especially since the prophet test has the power to either vindicate or condemn a servant of God. We don't want to be guilty of cutting off a prophet that should be verified or vice versa. Before we look at the proper reading of this passage, it's imperative that we consider a prophet's audience. Since it's, audience, since it's the audience asking the question, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? They are the ones holding the responsibility of judging whether a prophet is true or false. In part one of Was Jesus a False Prophet, we learned that the strict one, strict one mistake rule is faulty in its application. None of the audiences of the prophets during Bible times utilize the prophet test this way. And no serious Bible scholar supports this concept either. But what is interesting is the fact that the anti-William Branham forces are actually using Brother Branham's own stringent rule that every thus saith the Lord must come to pass without exception. Even William Branham had to learn by experience through the Brown Bear and Africa prophecies that many thus saith the Lord predictions are contingent. The Believe the Sign people have stated that some message believers will protest that there is evidence 
that such prophecies were clearly made in advance, but we have been unable to find any independent evidence that would confirm this. The only evidence we have is William Branham's own words, which do not qualify as independent evidence. Again, this is our, that's already been dealt with in part one. What Believe the Sign fails to understand is the role the audience plays in the verification process. This includes people coming forward to deny that a prophecy was fulfilled. There were plenty of people who were contemporaries of William Branham that would have loved to have done that to prove Brother Branham's ministry was false. The sheer lack of those claims is further proof that the prophecies that he mentions were in fact given and fulfilled during his audience's lifetime. The main point here is that the audience was fully capable of publicly verifying or rejecting William Branham's prophecies. Now that we've considered the value of listening, the listening crowd, we can focus on the specifics of the prophet test. Even though it's possible that predicting the future could escape challenges during the lifetime of a prophet, there is another part of the prophet test that could be challenged immediately. When we read Deuteronomy 18, 22, from a Hebrew perspective, we find a much more immediate verification available to the audience that proves the prophet in question is true or false. When we read this passage in most Bible versions, this more powerful part of the prophet test is not immediately apparent. From the King James Version, it says, When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. From the NIV, if what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is the message the Lord has not spoken. In from the New King James Version, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing that the Lord has not spoken. Notice the redundancy in the phrase, and the thing does not happen or comes to pass. It should be noted that to happen and to come to pass have the exact same meaning. Why the redundancy? The truth is, does not happen and does not come to pass mean the same thing in English, but in the original, original Hebrew, these two terms are quite different and very significant. Look at Young's literal translation. That which the prophet speaketh in the name of Jehovah, and the thing is not, and cometh not, it is the word which Jehovah hath not spoken. In presumption that hath the prophet spoken it, thou art not afraid of him. The Young's literal translation correctly translates the Hebrew word yiyeh as is, and thus renders the first phrase as and, and the, thing is, uh, the thing is not. The second Hebrew word is bo, which comes from, which means come. And that phrase is best translated and not comes or does not arrive on the scene. One, you can see the first phrase deals with something existing in the present tense, and the other speaks of something in the future. In both cases, these would be items that are currently not known by the general public, but are declared by the prophet as in existence or coming into existence. From this, we learn that a prophet of God can disclose what will be in the future, bow, but, will, but also what is present it, or is continuing from the past, yeah. The first part of this prophet test is more powerful because it is much easier to judge a prophet based on his words declaring what is currently happening, but is not known openly as compared with his declarations about future events. 
For instance, if he attempts to declare the secrets of men's hearts or their undisclosed pasts, and he gets it wrong, he'll be deemed a false prophet. We do not have to fear or listen to a prophet who makes false claims. The term, you shall not be afraid of him, is based on a unique Hebrew word for fear, which is tagur. This word actually means to assemble in awe. Thus it could be rendered, you do not need to gather in awe around that prophet's word. Bo and Yiye are descriptions of a prophet's ability to foretell and foretell. In Barnes' commentary, he defines foretelling by stating the word prophesy does not mean only to foretell future events, although that is the proper meaning of the word, but also to declare anything that is unknown or anything which cannot be known by natural knowledge or without revelation. This does not signify simple preaching, but rather the ability a prophet has of disclosing hidden information that only God knows, such as divine mysteries or the secrets of people's hearts. John Gill's commentary speaks of Jesus knowing and declaring people's thoughts or hidden actions as prophecy. In speaking of the situation where Christ was blindfolded and struck by his accusers, Gill says, And to say unto him, Prophesy! The Arabic versions adds unto, adds unto us, O Christ, who it is that buffeted thee now, that gave thee the last blow, and the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. This is a reference to the following passage. Then they spat in his face and blindfolded him, according to Mark 14.65, and beat him and others who struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy to us, Messiah, who is the one who struck you? Matthew 26, 67, and 68. These Jews understood the Deuteronomy 18 prediction that the Messiah would be identified as one like Moses and that he would not only be able to, pre to predict future events, but he would also know what people were thinking, speaking, at doing, and doing at every, any given moment, even in secret. This is the kind of prophet that Moses was, who not only could predict the future, but also could judge his fellow Israelites with his gift of discernment. Thus a prophet not only foretells, he also foretells, meaning that he can bring forth into the open what is in the mind or life of a person currently that the prophet ordinarily would not know. It is either correct or incorrect. It exists, yeah, or does not exist. This is the easiest way to prove if one is a prophet or not. The king of Syria wanted to know who was leaking his top secret information to his enemies. One of his servants in 2 Kings 6.12 told him, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. <clears throat> this is so good. I really appreciate this. Jesus acted in his prophet capacity when he discerned people's thoughts. Joseph and Daniel discerned other, others' dreams and motives. And when they did, people understood that they were prophets. Moses was successful as a judge of the children of Israel who came to him with issues because of his ability to discern their thoughts and motives. None of this reflects the predictive quality of a prophet. Rather, it identifies the fact that a prophet can see and speak of things future, past, and present that the average person would not be capable of doing. Discernment of the thoughts of the human mind is a God trait which he shares only with his prophets, proving that they are sent from 
him. 1 Kings 8, 39. Then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Forgive and act. Deal with each man according to all he does, since you know his heart. For you alone know the hearts of all men. <clears throat> Just want to pause and greet those who have come on since. Um, Brother Aaron, good morning. God bless you. Sister Mai, God bless you as well. Brother John, God bless you. Brother Isil, um, let's see, I don't know this person's name, Masihi Geet and Zabur. I am from Pakistan. God bless you. Gulfam from Pakistan. God bless you. Brother Connie from Sweden. God bless you. Brother Isaac from Lahore. God bless you. Also, thank you all for being on with me. Okay, where did I leave off here? All right. Um, yeah, okay, at the beginning of this page. The Bible teaches us that Jesus was the Word and that the Word, having become flesh, was equipped with the ability to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is why Jesus was identified as the prophet which Moses spoke of who would use the prophet's ability to speak of what will be and to speak of what is. Notice, Christ used his prophetic gift to discern the current thoughts and intents of people's hearts and hidden activities of their lives. And Brother Elijah references the woman at the well. Jesus says, go call your husband. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband for you. have five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. And the woman says, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. So the woman realizes that Jesus was the prophet that Moses referred to because he told her the things that were in her life. This is not the spiritual gift of discerning spirits mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12.10. Neither is it merely the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom. That gift doesn't require a vision to gain, those gifts don't require visions to gain that information. Rather, this is a prophet, prophet's gift of discernment of people's thoughts and hidden or hidden conditions of their lives and is always obtained by a spiritual vision. There's many examples of this in the life of Jesus. When Jesus met Simon Peter, he said, you're Simon, the son of Jonah. When Jesus met Nathanael, he said, said behold, an Israelite in whom there's no guile. Nathanael said, how do you know me? Before Philip called you, when you were under the tree, I saw you, to which Nathanael proclaims, you're the Son of God, you're the King of Israel. Jesus catches a Pharisee, Pharisee's thoughts when he is uh, be, having his feet washed with oil and, and with, with the woman's hair, who's a prostitute. And Jesus says, he spoke to the Pharisee, why did you say this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of this woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. 
And we can go on and on. Brother Elijah mentions quite a number of scenarios where Jesus knew their thoughts, perceived their thoughts, um, knew the thoughts of their heart. So we know that the word of God comes to his prophets. In fact, Christ was the summation of all God's word, and thus he was the God prophet. John 1, 1 and 1, 4. I want to remind everyone, I'm reading from Brother Elijah Gibbs, who's a pastor in Connecticut. He wrote an article, and I felt it fits in well with our topic in defense of William Branham. And I wanted to go through this uh, document. We just have three pages left here, two and a half pages left here to go through. I'm going to continue with this subject in the coming days, but... Um, just wanted to remind everyone, I'm, this isn't, this, I'm, I'm referencing Brother Elijah's work here and reading from it. We know that the Word of, okay, we read that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The divine Logos, having become flesh, was able to foretell people's lives and inner thoughts according to Hebrews 4 12 for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart Jesus did many mighty works during his tenure on earth he did this not only to show his deity but also to demonstrate how his redeemed children would be able to act as well he fully intended that through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, his followers would be empowered to do the same works he did. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. We see then the early church a continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ, including prophets and prophesying. Agabus and other prophets predicted future events that happened in their lifetimes. Others like Paul and John gave more sweeping prophecies, much of which concern end-time events. Looking at Peter and Paul, we can see that they were both apostles and prophets. Both of these men were empowered to have prophetic visions, predict the future, and to perform the first part of Deuteronomy 18.22 by declaring what is, in the same way Jesus utilized discernment. Then we look, Brother Elijah brings the scripture, Acts 5, 1 through 11. Um, it's Peter, it's Peter and the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Peter knew what they said to each other in secret. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land, laid land for yourself? And then Sapphira comes and he tells the same thing. Saul uh, then Paul, in Acts 13, says, when he comes across El Elymas the sorcerer, then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked attently in him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. Uh, then when Paul was preaching, he saw a cripple uh, had faith. So Paul speaks, Paul, uh, 
Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. That's in Acts 14. Acts 16, the, the slave girl who had a spirit of divination, Paul cries out saying, uh, she was crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God. Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Now, let's look at Brother Branham. William Branham made a few dozen prophecies of which he was foretelling future events. But there are over 100,000 recorded, documented, prophetic statements identified in Deuteronomy 18.22 as speaking what is. These thus saith the Lord's statements were either right or wrong. The response of assent by the thousands he addressed from 1946 to 1965 was 100% corroboration of the accuracy of Brother Branham's prophecies. Not one time was his prophetic foretelling denied as true and precise. God is not, nor has ever been, one who would vindicate a false prophet for almost 20 years just to test his people. It's not in his practice nor principles to do so. The reason, we're coming to our conclusion now, the reason God demands we respect, listen to, and obey his prophets is because he desires to speak with us and to share his thoughts with us. The reason he does not speak to us directly is because we human beings requested he not do it. Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 18 says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him shall you hear according to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. From that time on, God only addressed his people through his prophets and servants. God often used his prophets as an early warning system. Some 700 years after Moses, the prophet Amos reiterated God's, reiterated God's system of dealing with his people. Surely the Lord God will do nothing unless he revealeth his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. Amos 3.7 God communicates this with us because he loves us. The the prophets heard directly from God as a friend speaks to his fr a friend. Exodus 33.11 says, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. God spoke to Abraham this way, and Abraham believed God. Thus made, this made Abraham a friend of God. In the same way when God speaks through a prophet and we believe God through that man of God, we are also his friends. Jesus speaks of this special relationship for all true believers within his church. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. John 15, verse 15. To be a friend of God is the reward of all those who hear his word and believe him. Though Moses and Abraham were rewarded with friendship, with God, due to the direct communication, we can be given the same reward by respecting, listening to, and obeying God's prophets. Matthew 10, 40-41 He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him that sent me. 
He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. The, the prophet's reward is to be a friend of God. And all those who receive God's prophet receive his reward, which is to be a friend of the friend of God. William Brandon worded it this way, a prophet's reward is to be a friend with the prophet. 1964, questions and answers number two. Those disciples who received John the Baptist, who was the friend of the bridegroom, ultimately became friends of the bridegroom himself. What a beautiful reward. If one desires to be a friend of God, he or she must honor, listen to, and obey his prophets, including William Branham. All right, I want to take just a minute or two to comment on these things. Especially I want to go back to that portion from Young's literal translation that Brother Elijah brings out. Um, yeah. Deuteronomy 18.22 that, that which the prophet speaketh in the name of Jehovah and the thing is not and cometh not it is the word which Jehovah hath not spoken in presumption hath the prophet spoken it you should not be afraid of him so looking at, at that you know the, the prophets throughout the Bible prophesied of things that were to happen hundreds even thousands of years later. So it would be impossible to verify the truth that that man was a prophet during the generation he was living in. And that is why God also gave the prophet the gift to tell the things which are. In other words, to tell the secrets of people's hearts and minds, the plans, the things that have happened to them in private that no one knew about in the past, things that they're hiding. God gave the, the prophets the ability to tell the things which are. And we can verify that prophet is true or not by looking at the accuracy of that prophet telling the things that are. And I think as you look at the life of William Branham and you see the corroborating testimony of those Pentecostal Assemblies of God, UPC ministers which were around him during his lifetime, they all testify to the fact that Brother Branham was correct without fail. They, they said he was... He was infallible in his gift of discernment. That gift of discernment was sent to vindicate his ministry. He also gave prophecies. Believe the sign says they're after the fact prophecies. They're, they're, they did, none of them came to pass and so on and so forth. I think that's verifiably false. Um, those things are verifiably false. Um, there are several prophecies that Brother Branham gave that within his lifetime did not come to pass. And we proved, Brother Elijah proved in, those, those, in his article that those prophecies that did not come to pass are in fact conditional prophecies, just as we found many examples of conditional prophecies in the Bible. The prophecy over Hezekiah. Uh, the prophecy of 
um, of, of Jonah. They, these are prophecies that were conditional upon outward obedience. We read about prophecies of the Nile drying up and, and Egypt being, being uninhabited. These are ambiguous prophecies, difficult to understand. They have as yet physically not taken place. But the fact is that ambiguous prophecies often are hidden types. They're, they're not to be taken with absolute literalism. In other words, God is the judge of how he brings a prophecy to pass or does not bring it to pass according to his purpose. Throughout scripture, you see that sometimes God changes the goalposts, God changes the application, God changes the timing of the fulfillment of certain prophecies. Um, you even see where Elijah the prophet is to go and anoint the king of Syria, the king of Israel, and anoint Elisha the prophet. But Elijah only anoints Elisha the prophet. It's never recorded that he anoints the king of Syria or the king of Israel. So Elijah is a man of like passions like unto us. He didn't anoint the king of Israel. He didn't anoint the, the um, king of Syria. But God fulfilled those prophecies anyway. So you see, if you, you see through scripture, through Brother Branham's message, it is perfectly consistent. God vindicated that he put his word in the mouth of William Branham by showing him, telling what is those things in the hearts and minds of people, past events that he had no way of knowing about, mysteries in their lives that no one could unravel. God used him to do that, and he did so with 100% accuracy. This is a vindication that his ministry is truth, and that he was bringing the word of the Lord, and that we are called upon to honor, respect, and assemble and hear with reverence the words of that prophet. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or testimonies, please let me know at jasondemars.com. We have free resources and materials on our website. You can go there and you can place an order and we will mail that out to you for free. The shipping is free as well. It gives you the opportunity to support our ministry if you're able to, but it certainly is not required. Once again, I thank you all for listening. We will continue this topic tomorrow, looking more at our responsibility as believers of a prophet. All right. God bless you.